Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. Hello, are we are we rolling? Oh, dude. Now what? we are. Yeah. All right, all right. We got Dan here. We welcome Eric Knobs to the show. All right. Hello, hello. My chair keeps moving. <laughs> yeah, you're just like floating away. Dude, my studio was built on a slant. When they built it, they didn't realize that the floor was uneven. And Wait. they had the opportunity to fix it, and they didn't take it. I'm literally looking here. You have wedges under your yeah. your stage. Totally. Yeah. By, by the way, video magic. You'll never see it. Nobody will ever know <laughs> until now. No, and by the way, I don't think a guest has ever pointed it out, or I've really never talked about it. So this is a first. Yes, there are wood <laughs> blocks of wood. There are. It's like, uh, think about it like when you go to a restaurant, and the bottom of the table is uneven. You gotta put napkins? Yes. Anything? Those are napkins. You got... <laughs> Wooden wedges. Yeah. Yeah, this studio does look really good on camera. In it person, does. It's a disaster in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess. It's not bad. It's only it's only the Godzilla with a baby head that's a little little freaky over there. You know, he was my child at one point. <laughs> and uh, like many of the children that you see around me, mm-hmm. humans, yes. I don't let people go, you know? But that's that's a good thing. I keep them close and hold them for their flaws and all. She's not happy about it. Well, I don't think anybody here is. <laughs> she might be the closest to Godzilla baby. I don't know. Um, we have a lot to cover with you, uh, Mr. Right. Eric. You, yeah. have, you have quite the life, dude. Born in Atlanta, you go to school in Boston. Yep. And you have this whole path set forth for you. Going to work at Deloitte, going to mm-hmm. have this big fancy life. How the hell do you get to Korea? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and why do you choose to upload anything to YouTube? You know what? When you're young and you're thoughtless and you don't realize everything lives on the internet forever, <laughs> you do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I went to I went to Boston College, and uh, I got a job at Deloitte doing consulting. But uh, in my contract, I asked for a year off before I started. Oh. So in that year off, I decided the natural thing to do is go to India, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody does that. That's where I went. Uh, yeah, so I uh, went to India to try to do some social work, um, like social enterprise fellowship. Um, but it just wasn't the best fit for me. What? Not India, but the program itself. Wh- what was off with it? It was just such an early, it was in the early days of its program. So I f- went there, didn't feel like I was making an impact, like... There were so many more obstacles that I felt like hindered doing and fulfilling what I felt like I was originally there to do. What was your goal? when? So when I was going, I was supposed to be, you know, working in social enterprise and helping develop social enterprises and startups and entrepreneurs and that type of stuff. Oh, cool. Um, so that was the intention. Got there. I was working in a school, um, which is great, but like not what I had envisioned completely. And then, like, my commute was, like, three hours one way off, like, four different forms of transportation. So by the time you get there... You're already beat. I'm just like, what? And then they were like, oh, well, like, can you just, like, make us attendance sheets? And I was like, I came three hours to make you attendance sheets. Like, no, I came to India and then, like... (laughs) So I was just like, this is not the best use of time. Okay. Um, But I had done, like, YouTube videos starting in high school because... I don't know why. So back in Atlanta. Yeah, back in Atlanta. Um, Were you do, just doing covers? Yeah, just covers. So because music has always been a part of your life too. You were a part of the Atlanta Boy Choir. <laughs> you were a part of the orchestra in high school. Yeah. So did you go forth with this going to college, like taking this thing in India, then having the intentions to go to Deloitte? 
were you just kind of following the path that society yeah. had pretty much laid out for everybody? Absolutely. I mean, that's being a musician or being an artist of any form was not a realistic uh, choice for me. Um, I think in the same way that many kids are like, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be a freaking, I don't know, president or whatever. It was like the same thing. It was like this far off dream that I never thought would actually happen. And uh, so for me, like, you know, you just go about life just like anybody else. And it, it was just kind of weird because music had always been such a passion of mine. So that when the opportunity came, I was like, I, I have to go. Absolutely. How did you get to YouTube? Like, what pushed you to even turn on a camera and perform in front of it? Because you could have kept just doing, yeah. like, orchestra stuff yeah, yeah. or being in the choir. I So I guess for me, I always love singing and I love to to sing but my parents and the people around me were just like ah eh, like you're not that good you're not great <laughs> and my mom was very clear about this like you're not very good honesty is great <laughs> so for me because like i had always watched you know you grow up watching american Idol. it's like i would love to go and like my parents were like you're not going like that's such that's a waste of time and you suck so you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna make it um so but for me like i had started doing like i found like little forums online where you could upload like record just like it wasn't it was before video so you could put up just little clips of you singing like audio files and people would give feedback on like oh this is good this is bad but like generally it was trending towards good and then at some point i saw people putting up youtube covers and i was like well i could do that like tucked away in the bathroom corner singing in front of a mirror like everybody else did um it's somewhere on youtube which is mortifying actually if you think about it so were you doing all this with you, without your parents knowing oh yeah they had no idea yeah because they thought you sucked at singing they were just even when i so i fast forward i'm on this audition program in korea right yeah because youtube gets you there right youtube gets me to this audition program in korea and i was like i call my parents and they're like what's going on like well i'm on the show and uh i think it might work out like okay like the producers are really nice the writers are really cool and like they all really like my voice and people are you know, voting for me. And my mom was like, my mom goes, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you're finally going to realize how average you are. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad you're getting this out of your system because you're going to find that Korea has so many insanely talented people. And like, you can finally get it out of your system. Go to New York, go work at Deloitte, like be normal. And, uh, I was like, thanks for the love and encouragement, mom. Like, you really got me fired up here. What does that do for you? Do you feel defeated hearing those words no. from your mom? It's just, I, I know where she's coming from. It's not a place of, like, you are horrible. It's, like, I think for her, and including myself, like, I was terrified of, like, that big change. In the in the back of my head, I was like, what if I make it? What if this does well? Like, what if I become a pop star? Like, my life as I know it is completely different. And I think for her, that uncertainty and... Just like that instability of becoming an entertainer was terrifying to her. And that was her way of like kind of blocking those things out of my life. Um, but for me, I was like, well, I'm going to try it anyways. Uh, might as well. It's really, I mean, it's really interesting to look at that generational difference, mm -hmm. right? Like this idea that like you're just going to take the chance. Yeah. You're going to take the risk. You're going to kind of not blow everything that you've done before to kind of seek this new opportunity, but like kind of put it on the back burner and yeah. see where this goes. But your mom and my my parents too. Just last year, I got a call from my mom asking if I wanted to go back to college. Like, mm. what the f <laughs> Are you for real? I'm yeah. here 12 hours a day. Right. You know, like just because it's so different, 
They just don't understand it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, if it doesn't work out, it's our hurt and their pain that they right. kind of fear. Right. When they know that that path that is more stable, it's not going to be as rocky. Right. So I I give you a lot of credit for keep, continuing to go. Mm-hmm. Is your career and your life more stable today? Does your mom think it's stable? <laughs> um, my parents have come around to be very, very supportive. And, like, they watch everything online, YouTube, whatever. They know more about what I wore and what I performed than I do because mm-hmm. I just don't remember things. Um, but they are much more supportive. It took a while to get there. Like, I think maybe like two years ago my mom came to visit me she's like so people like you i'm like yes mom like people like me like and they recognize you i'm like yes and they listen to my music and they watch me on tv and she's like why like it to her it was still like in denial it's like so when are you gonna go get a real job as my face is on a bus driving by like past us and i was like this juxtaposition is just hilarious but she's you know she i know where she came from it's all about you know a perspective of love and just like caring and now she's more than anyone like the first to listen to the song and she'll like call me like how's it doing like do people like it like what's going on where are your next show so how does that make um, you feel um it's cool and it's i appreciate it and i i also understand like not only is it a generational thing but also it's an immigrant parent thing where my parents gave up everything and they came to the States 30-something years ago. Um, and they had just like the typical immigrant life. And so for us, it was always about stability and always about being very like focused and like doing what you set out to do. And taking a complete deviation from that path was, I'm sure, mortifying yeah. <laughs> to them. So um, I completely get it. And I'm just so appreciative and thankful to be where i am zach sang show yo beautiful human if you're considering going back to school you really should ask yourself the following questions do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule do you have college credits that you need transferred do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university if you answered yes To any of those questions, Arizona State University really is the perfect school for you. ASU offers over 200 highly ranked degree programs 100% online. You're going to earn the same degree that you would on campus from wherever you are on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. If this is of any interest to you, seriously, text Zach, Z-A-C-H, to 35517. You'll get more information. Learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates and why 87% of ASU grads are recruited within 90 days of graduation. Learn to grow, learn to succeed, and learn to thrive at Arizona State University. Learn more right now about ASU online degree programs. Just text Zach to 35517. That is Z-A-C-H to 35517. Zach Sang Show. What kind of responsibility does your story put on your shoulders when you go back to Korea? Because like when you're there, you're representing the Korean people, but you're also representing a Korean American. Yeah. Is it different? It's it's different. Um, I think there are definitely like positives and negatives to it like the positives are like for the most part of like for the early part of my career there were things in certain situations where i have like no idea what's going on because my korean was not good like i could speak elementary korean when i got there it was just being on tv constantly where i was in like a constant anxiety panic attack that forced me to learn korean 
Uh, but we, you force yourself to learn it because you're anxious about what people are saying around you well, and that, about you? That and because, like, I I had to respond and I didn't know how to speak. Yeah. So, like, I was put on, like, reality shows and TV shows, live broadcast constantly not knowing 100% what's going on. So can we dive into this whole system? So you, yeah. Because you go on to this reality show, which it is essentially like our X Factor. Yeah. It's called Star Audition Birth of a Great Star. Yes. Two. Are you the great star they birthed? I, I was birthed. Wow. I was birthed. I just popped out. Dan. Hey, guys. Do you even know who's in front of us? <laughs> no. A great star, Dan. Great That's star. who I am. <laughs> also, you were uh, freaking man of the year. Uh, but anyway, you, you win this show, and are you just... Because you know it's a culture shock. Yeah. Uh, well, correction. I did not win it. I didn't even win it. So, got, which by the way is good because I feel like that's just, yeah. that's a big thing here in America. You never you never want to win those shows. Win. I was I was a I was a very complacent subpar fifth, and I'm good with it. Hey, I'm great. Look with at it. you now. It was great. Yeah, thrive. <laughs> so okay, but you are one of the stars they did birth in mm-hmm. some respect. But you you get on the show and you're kind of like engulfed by a culture that I guess you kind of understand, but a language that you aren't fully mm-hmm. in the loop on. Yeah. How do you navigate independently and who has your back? That's what was terrifying, actually. Like, for, I'd say the first five years, four or five years of being in Korea, I was just very paranoid. And I was, like, nervous all the time. Because I just didn't fully understand what was going on. Contracts and shows and discussions like i was just always on edge um and i would have dreams of like not being able to speak like i still have dreams of like you know those dreams where you're like in high school and you're like failing all your classes and you wake up and i have to be like i graduated high school i'm fine like snap out of it dude made it yeah i made it but like it was a lot of that it was a lot of anxiety and in retrospect i i don't know how i actually fought my way through it but it was a lot of just really survival, to be very honest. It was like, you're going to be on this show. You're going to ask you all these questions. They're going to make you do these things and, like, just make it up and wing it. And so there were so many times where I'm on talk shows or I'm on reality shows, and they ask me a question. I have no idea what's going on, and I just kind of, like, look. I just look like a fool. Um, <laughs> and I can't even respond. Did that fuel to your popularity, like, this bewildered adorable <laughs> like what is going on i think in in ways there were there's definitely like a a portion of it where it's like oh this dude is like he's cute because he doesn't really know what's going on um and at the same time what really worked though is that like i put in the time and the effort to really learn the language and to become culturally relevant and just kind of fit in with everybody where they're like oh this dude's from the states does not know what was going on, but he's learned it. He's picked it up, and he's ha- he's making his own. It's that story. It's that what people were like. Oh, this this dude works his ass off, and he we can throw him into any situation, and he'll make do with it. Like, would you tell people on these shows that you were from Atlanta, Georgia? I mean, everybody knew because I sh- like you walk in, and they say something, and I just like, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you don't un- you don't understand me? And I'm like, no, no idea what's going on. Even two weeks ago, I was on a show. And uh, they were trying to, like, you know, I I almost felt like it was almost condescending. But I know where they were coming from. They're like, oh, he's American. Like, he doesn't understand. But they would be like, do this. And I'm like, okay. But I would pause because it was, like, a weird thing to do. It's like, 
oh, he doesn't understand our language. He's like, do this like this. And I was like, I get it. It's just stupid. I don't want to do it. Like, <laughs> I understand you. It's just dumb. Yeah, it's just really dumb. Um, so, yeah. Does it help you out? When I'm watching you interview celebrities and host shows, mm-hmm. it is a hybrid. And by the way, like that same confusion that you feel when you don't understand something. A lot of celebrities who do a lot of those talk shows, yeah. they feel the same thing. Right. And I felt like when they sat down with you, it was very comforting. Yeah, I think that definitely that definitely helped in the sense that, you know, I've done a lot of interviewing and hosting for different situations. A lot of them are with, you know, Hollywood celebrities. You know, all the Avengers. A few weeks ago was Will Smith and, like, the new Terminator cast. And is it people coming to you in Korea? It depends. So Will Smith we flew to Hungary for. Cool. Terminator cast, they came to Korea. Um, so it really depends on a on a case-by-case basis. But when we're in Korea or when we do junkets, like actors, singers, whatever, we get the same question a billion times. And if you're in a, in a foreign country, like if you're in Korea and you have three days of press and everybody is coming at you with a translator, the moment you step in and there's another American dude, it's like, hey, what's up? How you yeah. doing? Let's shoot the <laughs> They're like, oh my God, hey, it, let's talk about anything. Like, And then it just, it's a different level of connection that totally. I think really kind of cuts through all the BS in the interviews that I've done. I mean, even in the interview with Amanda, how do you say her last name? Seyfried? That? That could be go. wrong. She was, right she was holding her earpiece that she didn't need that <laughs> she would have worn for a translator. Yeah. Because it looked like it was another one of those junket type yeah, situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaking thrive. It, it, yeah. It, so... In that marketplace, it's obviously a plus mm-hmm. when it comes to working with you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. Like, I don't want people to think, like, I I am in this crazy, weird situation. Like, I think, if anything, being multilingual, being from the States, having an education and a background that is completely not entertainment has helped me in so many ways. And that's probably why I'm here today speaking with you guys. Um, yeah. Interview is you actually interview was a title of an EP or an album? An EP, yeah. So is that an interview with you? Is that a body of work inspired by the interviews you've done? Does that play into your hosting at all or not? So pretty much what happened is, you know, for the first few years of my career, I was putting out music, but my my label realized like, oh, we can put this kid out on TV and he'll just do whatever and thrive and then he'll shoot all these endorsements and get these gigs. So like we don't actually need to invest into music for him. And so what happened was like all I was doing was TV shows and music for a while, which I, I mean, TV shows and interviews for a while, which I hated because I gave up my job to being created to pursue music, not to interview other musicians. <laughs> right. For me, I was like, this sucks. Um, so that EP, the title of it and the concept was is an opportunity to like rebrand and reframe what interview is to Eric Nam in Korea. Because all of a sudden, like in Korea, I was every week trending on like the equivalent of Twitter and Naver or and Google and everything, like the first page all the time because I was meeting with interesting people. And for the first time, Korean audiences were like, oh, this dude has an actual conversation. It's not, do you like Korean barbecue? <sighs> Which was like the majority of questions. So that's how people really got to then like people who didn't know me for music attached onto my brand and yeah. my image. And so let's reclaim the word interview that entire concept and make it into something musical and that's why the album and everything came together i mean that's like a weird battle right like Mm -hmm. to be forced to interview musicians when you know it's your true passion to be on the other side yeah it's weird and it's even weirder when you 
I'm not going to say who and how or what, but like when you don't actually appreciate the music that this musician's doing, yeah. but you have to make it sound like they're doing great things. Mm-hmm. Like it was an incredibly defeating thing. Um, <laughs> we can relate to that here. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Daniel. Oh, I can. I, mean, I cannot. Right. Were, you, were you like, I respect you as a person. I respect you for getting to where you are. But like if, I, if you ask me like, do you rock with this music? I'm going to say no. Yeah. Like I think my shit's better. <laughs> Let's be blunt. Um, but by the way, to, we yeah. will dive into your album. But by the way, but back to you being blunt about your shit being better than somebody else's. Did you feel? Does it hurt your credibility now to interview musicians while you're making this massive music push? And also, like, I do find it a little weird that you started on a music show. Mm-hmm. How did you end up hosting and doing these interviews when that yeah. really wasn't what you left? Deloitte, which by the way, good money. Yeah. I'm sure that the Korean TV money ain't too shabby, but like Deloitte is Deloitte and you left this whole other plan to go and pursue music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, How do you end up hosting? Who tells you that this is what you should do? Well, the crazy thing about Korea is you have to do everything. Yeah. Like you have to be everywhere. It's not like, you know, I came from a meeting today and they're like, you need to focus. Like you need, you need to focus just on music kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, but, like, that's not how I've been... That's not how I cut my teeth, especially in Korea. Yeah, because they start people on soap operas and reality shows, and it, when you have a musician, it's like an it's like an all-out, like, attack. Yeah, it's on, a multi-hyphenate, all-platform, all-industry yeah. attack. So, um, for me, it was, let's just get you on as many shows as possible to do as many different things because people need to know who you are to then listen to your music. It just so happens that I was too good at the other things that it overshadowed the music and that's kind of what happened and so um it's weird i think in korea and in asia it's completely normal to be doing everything as opposed to in the states it's like if you're a musician you should be only doing music and touring and doing like these types of things and like in the moment you cross over into something else you're a sellout or you are on the downturn from your music career so you have to like go into something else i think that's yeah, how you're not like, wrong the perception is but for us in, in korea particularly it's like the better well you the more the better you're performing the more you should be on different things yeah and um, it turns you into a well-rounded individual yeah but here like we don't want renaissance men and women <laughs> we don't want jack of all trades master it's, it's one it's weird it's weird it's different i don't know i i'm going to i'm going to sit with that one yeah sit on it but uh what are you thinking Oh, nothing. <laughs> You're literally thinking zero right no, now? No, I was actually thinking exactly how it's true, because, like, we have Dancing with the Stars here, and mm-hmm. you were like, oh, no A-list celebrities would go on right. Dancing with the Stars. Right. And you're saying it's almost opposite over there. Absolutely. If there was probably, I think there was a Dancing with the Stars in Korea, like, and it's it's a battle to get on these shows, because there's only so many different platforms that you could get onto. And the other thing you have to realize is Korea is a much smaller, homogenous country. It's not like the states where you have, what, 300, 400 million people in 50 states. It's one country. Everybody's Korean and there's one language. And so it's a fight for a like a piece of a smaller pie as opposed to the states where if you like rock, there is an entire rock festival. If you like hip hop and rap, there's an entire movement for that. It's yeah, not like, like that in Korea. Yeah, there's a ton of them. So it's wild. Yeah. America's it's big. It's huge. Was your goal always to get back to America? Yes. So, so you're American. You have to go to Korea, build a career to come yeah. back to America. Isn't that nuts? Why? Because like mainstream media labels, whatever, did not want to give Asians or Asian Americans a chance, right? I think we're finally at a point where it's not 
crazy for us to have an Asian person on TV or film and have people like, you know, Joji or Rich Brian or I saw Jackson was on here recently. Mm-hmm. Like, t- it's not foreign anymore, but it's taken forever for us to get there. Growing up in Atlanta and even now, like, who was the Asian American or Asian singer, songwriter, anybody that you ever heard or saw? Uh, uh mm, Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that's that's insane. So people are like, why wow. did you choose to go to Korea? It's like, I didn't choose. It's like, you there were to. no opportunities. So for me, it was like, let's go to Korea where I'm not other. I'm not foreign. I may be like American, and so I can't speak the language, but visually, like, I'm just like anybody else. I'm not going to be discriminated against for the way I look. And by the way, I'm not trying to make this like a give us rights, like, you know, social movement thing. But that's the reality of it. Like we, a lot of us, not only myself, a lot of us, we went to Korea to cut our teeth and get trained and debut and build albums and really hone our craft. And, you know, for that, I'm going to be forever grateful. Like Korea was the place that gave me an opportunity to become a musician, to become an entertainer of sorts when the opportunities were very, very few here in the States. So it's, you know, now it's about how do we reverse engineer this so that I can perform and put out EPs and music and tour where I consider home. Totally. Yeah. Do you consider yourself an idol? No, I don't. Do people? Some do. Does the industry in Korea consider you an idol? Um, it's very weird. Like, I have fans who treat me and view me as an idol. Like, and... I think until recently, I definitely, a lot of people put me into that group. Yeah. Um, only because I was doing the amount of work and the schedules that any other idol was doing, which how, are just killer schedules. How do you define idol? That's like up in the air. But I think it's, <laughs> I think it's you know, when, if you have a lot of like hardcore choreography, you have a lot of like EDM driven like dance tracks and um, generally you're in a group and you have these incredibly hardcore fans um, but I have a little bit of everything in there into my sets and into my brand. And that's probably why some people can construe it as an idol. Totally. Yeah. You were also on that show with Solar. Solar. I was. I love her. You, do you know her? Oh yeah. Mama Moon was here. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wasn't she, was she the one that was sick when they were here? No. No. We her? did. I was on her YouTube channel. Um, oh, that's right. Oh, you were on her like her vlog thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. It's one of my biggest, most shiny <laughs> moments. Eric. Now I got to look it up. By the way, you know, you make a very good point about having to go to Korea to get a break, yeah. to get an opportunity. Yeah. It's about to be the opposite here mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the K-pop movement. Right. The competition is fierce. And mm-hmm. every record label right now either has a K-pop group that they have are working with mm-hmm. that are out of Korea. Right. Or they're trying to build their own. Right. It's... Mm-hmm. It's going to be wild. We're about to go from the opposite of the Sahara Desert <laughs> to like a freaking monsoon. Yeah. I'm excited. But do you consider yourself a K-pop artist? I think it's it's a tricky question. Um, because, yes, I am a K-pop artist, right? I, I started in K-pop. I've been in K-pop for seven, eight years now. And I don't think it's ever going to be possible for me to say I'm not a K-pop artist. But what I'm trying to do in the States is just be a pop artist, just American pop artist. Um, 
And that's where it's like things get a little like weird. But at the same time, I'm like, does it really matter? No. The only thing, the only reason that I feel like in the States, I'm a little wary of being a K-pop idol is because the connotation and the preconceived notions of what a K-pop idol is, right? What do you think they are? I think people think of K-pop, they think of highly overproduced music. It's pumped out of a factory. Mm -hmm. People don't have rights. They're not writing their own music. They're told what to do. Do you think that's true or false? I think there are pockets of truth in it. I think there are groups that definitely are that way, but... For as many that are that way, there are just as many that are the complete antithesis and the counter movement towards that. And so I think it's hard to loop it. Unfortunately, it's just I think when people see it, it's just easier for them to process and say, K-pop, it's going to be 15 kids on a stage with purple hair wearing flashy Gucci clothes dancing. I am not that in (laughs) any way. And so that's the only reason where I'm like a little hesitant to say in the States, I'm a K-pop artist. Right. Because I don't want people to just loop me into that. Which, which, by the way, it's sad that we as humans do that. You know, we build these gross stereotypes. Mm -hmm. It's hard to break them down. To your point of like, it's all the same. Like you you kind of touched on that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that. Like as I was listening to your album, which, by the way, comes out November 14th. Yeah. We're going to dive in. K-pop and pop are all the same thing. (laughs) It's all just pop music. It's a it's a geographic thing. That totally right. It's like where it's uh, on that on nice little globe. globe of yours, yeah. So why, why put yourself in a box? And I think one, the records are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank but you. But two, I think this is your time. It's a lot of people's time. It's very exciting to be a part of. It's pretty wild. I'm stoked. You should be. I'm. I'm. I'm really excited. I think it's. It's been a long time coming, and I. You know, I've been saying this for a few years. It's. You know, I was. Somebody said, like, I was probably the first Korean person to be on New Music Fridays on on Spotify a few years ago. Hell yeah. I had a song with Timbaland, and they put it on New Music Fridays, and I was like, whoa, like, well, this is cool. Like, when people were starting to listen to, like, new songs that I was doing, they got into the a song I did with Gallant and Tablo called Cave Me In. And, like, it, so it's been, like, coming. Like, we've been building towards doing, like, things in English. And so my fans and the people around the world aren't, like, taken aback by, like, what are you trying to do? Like, you know, but... It's whether I'll become like as successful or whatever your definition of successful K-pop or pop star is. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to do it here. But what's most important to me is that I'm able to take part in a movement that really pushes the envelope forward for representation and for diversity and inclusion when it comes to music and general audiences. Totally. And by the way, you're very much doing that. And I think you're going to have some success along the way. And I respect you for having, uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask you at the end, but mm-hmm. I, I think I have an idea of your answer. But the new album is Congratulations. Uh, yeah, well, the lead single off of it is called Congratulations. What is it called? Uh, the album's called Before We Begin. Before We Begin. Yeah. Love Die Young. That was the first record that started this whole yeah. thing. The first release. Mm-hmm. Why was that the right one to start this era? Um, I think that it came at a point where... Musically, I wanted to be a little bit more mature from recent stuff that I've been putting out. And I wanted it to be a little more vulnerable and honest in terms of the content, um, the lyrical content. And so Love Die Young, I felt like kind of hit all, checked all those boxes of sounding a little bit more mature, being a little more raw and being very relatable to a lot of people. Um, In regards to, I mean, on the surface, it's just like a sad love song. But for me, when I was 
where I was mentally as I was writing it was just a much, not darker, but like a more exhausted state. Um, exhausted f- from, from love? life, from life and love and just everything. Um, I think I wrote that album or I wrote that song in July. Um, so like decently recent, like three months ago. Um, and so I had gotten off tour. I was on tour in June. I did 12 shows in 18 days in Europe, Whoa. which is exhausting. Um, but <laughs> I finished and I had a lot going on in just like my personal life. And then also in terms of work and just being overloaded with like so many things. I was like overly stressed out. But they're like, you got to put an album out. You got to go write it. And all I wanted to talk about was like how burned out and stressed I was and how exhausted I was. And so I I did a couple songs and we literally called it Burnout. <laughs> and, but it was like, it was a little too on the nose, I felt. And so when I got to LA, um, I jumped in a session and like, what do you want to do? I was like, I still want to write like a really sad love song, exhaustion song. And we came up with love die young which on the surface again it's a kind of about a you know a relationship and like trying to beg somebody to stay and like not let this fire kind of burn out um but beyond that for me it was about just like whatever it is it could be love it could be passion it could be a dream or an idea just like not letting that die young and just trying to maintain it as much as we could i think it's easy for entertainers celebrities musicians to really go at things a hundred percent hundred thousand percent 365 for years and not really take care of the emotional psychological or the physical needs that your body has and so i think love die young was kind of a way for me to step back and say hold up like let's take care of a few things and it was part of that experience of trying to recover but it's interesting that like the song not doesn't come from like in the middle of exhaustion, it comes like a couple weeks after or a few days after you're like in the heat of exhaustion. Mm. The music you wrote while exhausted was just too on the nose. It was very on the nose. Cool. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think it took a few iterations for us to get to Love Die Young. Like, I, I remember I got off tour and we had like, I went to Atlanta for my brother's engagement party. I drove up to Nashville to do three days there. And then I flew out to LA for about four or five days. And so, all of that was written in that same period, actually. Whoa. It was just a matter of, like, how can we iterate on different versions of this theme and this topic that's on my heart and on my head. And that's what happened. All records made here in the States? Yeah. Was- I do almost all my stuff here in the States. Um, rarely do I write in Korea. Because I think in even in the Korean music scene, that's kind of what my music has always been differentiated with. It's being very very pop driven very american yeah. in the approaches and the the lyrical content um and so for the first time i didn't have to go back and change everything back into korean which is great because it saved me so much headache yeah so it makes the process easier oh yeah hell yeah <laughs> and it sounds so much better to me in english um but i mean the people that i'm working with that i have been working with are just people that i think they're just incredible songwriters producers and um yeah. Working with the same people on almost every record. I mean, by the way, there's only eight on this album. Yeah. I was watching an interview with you, I think, from like April, maybe 2018. Mm-hmm. You had like 80 songs back then. Yeah. Now you have eight. Yeah, on this one, yeah. So, Marky Basie on this Congratulations record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You like it? I love it. Oh, yeah? Th- I think you it's heard great. it? Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Heard the whole album. Thank you. 
Dan's a lot approved, everybody. Yeah. Well, no, I just I just thought congratulations was cool because when I first see that name in a title, I think Post Malone immediately. Oh, right. But this is a completely different story. It's absolutely different. Yeah. Right. So you're celebrating goodbye. A break. Yes. Yeah. You finally goodbye. mean it. Yeah. I mean, it was a. Uh, it was at a point where I was writing stuff and I was enjoying like getting really fun, exciting tracks and then putting completely opposite lyrics on it. So everybody's like, congratulations! And like, you're gone. Like, get <laughs> out of here. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think two-part, like, one, not all ba- breakups, like, have to be horribly depressing. Like, some of them, you just got to get out of bad relationships. And two, there was this point where I, I had gotten out of a relationship, and she wouldn't stop calling. Like, <laughs> she wouldn't stop texting and showing up. I was like, please, leave. Like, I'm sorry. It's not going to work out. Bye. And once it finally was like, okay, we're done. I was like, congratulations, we're done. Um, so <laughs> congratulations to you or to her? To me on that one. <laughs> but it was just like, you know, we had a fun time writing that one. It was just, I think, a cool concept where we could kind of play with the lyrical content in interesting ways. So Marky Basie in the room for this? No, he was not. We uh-huh. um, So we had it just as a solo song for myself. Um, but we felt like... I wanted somebody that I really respected musically and I, I was a fan of to kind of jump on it to to give it a little bit more of a twist. Um, and because I think when it comes to collaborating, it always allows who was ever involved to get new eyes and ears and different audiences and fandoms kind of yeah. encroaching on new, new topics and new sounds. And so um, Mark and I met last year in Korea um, he came for a show, and I've I've been a fan of Mark for a while, and so I just went to the show to say what's up, and and saw it, and we hung out, had a few drinks too many probably, and then we stayed in touch, and then he we sent him the song, he was like I'm on it absolutely, and within a few days he had his verse and his part written and sent over. So sweet, thanks to Mark, shout out, Mark awesome. Basie. Yeah. He's never been on our show. No, haven't had him yet. You know how I heard of you for the first time though. Oh God. Oh, it's great. This is the greatest compliment to you. Okay. Alec Benjamin. Oh. He's a beautiful person. He's awesome. I love Alec. He, I can gush and I I can praise him and talk about him for how many days? Months, actually. (laughs) I'm like, he's one of the greatest artists. How do you know Alec? You know, I saw him perform at a coffee shop about three years ago, three and a half years ago. And, uh, yeah, so I'm in a coffee shop, and then we kind of became friends. Awesome. And he's come on the show a couple times, but I think he is probably the greatest writer of our generation. And I think he tells stories unlike anybody else. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's on another level. And I think the world has yet to fully hear what he is capable of. And I'm he's not, awesome. and I say like uh, of our generation, I mean, like, I don't, I don't want to like, Looping some of the like the Max Martins and the Mm-mm-mm. and the Justin Tranters, they're of a different generation. You know, they're a little mm-hmm. bit older. I'm talking about people under the age of twenty five. Like he is just he's incredible. I think yeah. those he's he does that thing where he can tell an entire story like a book oh. in in musical form. Yeah, he's a which is incredible, dude. It's like Aesop's Fables. Like yes. he's very heavily inspired by the way those stories are told and the way he chooses to reflect his his own reality in these records are yeah i can it's great it's truly He's the best. masterful art like uh, it's wild so yeah that's, that's cool. how i heard of you and then i started following him <laughs> i just yeah. wanted an excuse to talk no, about no, alex no i love alex we saw him uh, a few weeks ago he was on a new he was on a, my podcast um, <gasps> that i'm doing and uh, he had a he had a show in seoul 
And I went to it and uh, it was me, Chimin from BTS and Alec. We all like kind of hung out for a bit afterwards. And uh, but Alec is the nicest guy. And we met because he opened for my first few shows in the States like two, three years ago. And we've stayed in touch since. And what a trifecta. It's he's awesome. So, yeah. Wow. Jimin, you, Alec. It was fun. That's a, that's a good crew. That is a real good crew. <laughs> that's a good time. So, good things happen in Seoul, Dan. Y'all, have y'all been to Seoul? No, no. I don't well. have the Seoul. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make it out. Zach saying show in Seoul. Dan, you want to go? I would love to go. Come on out. It'll be good. Dan, we'll host you. Do you live there? Where do you live? I live in Seoul. So that's like your primary residence? Yeah. Well, I'm. Well, yes. Are your parents still in Atlanta? My parents are in Atlanta. I have uh, two brothers. Who are now both here now in LA. So yeah. By the way, one of them works with you, Eddie. So Eddie manages me outside of Korea. Got um, it. And we do everything. Weird working with family. Um, Eddie and I are good. We're great. <laughs> I feel like you're convincing yourself of that. Keep going. No. <laughs> Eddie and I have no issues. Like we've we've worked together for almost five six years now. So wow. it's like it's. We're very good about, like, this is brother time and this is work time. There are times where it bleeds in together. But, like, when we first started, we would fight because... But I was very honest. I was like, dude, you don't have a boss. I'm your only boss. And so I need to say things to keep you accountable and also for you to learn. Because I don't want you to represent me and be, like, a complete idiot. So I'm going to call you out when you sound like an idiot. And once we got over that, he really, you know, matured and, like, developed on his own. And now he's, like, killing it with bunch of artists that he manages and it's good by the way like hard conversation to have at first oh yeah i but it was very i prefaced it with like dude you have to understand like i'm coming to you as a brother but i'm also your client slash boss so this is not a place of like i'm better than you i'm older than you listen to me this is for the better good of both of us and that's like our youngest brother we work with now he's eight years younger than me Wow. Yeah, so we're going through that now where it's, dude, I love you. I care about you. I want everything to go perfectly well. But there are moments where we're like, step back. Let's have a conversation. This is cool. This is not cool. And if you have things for me to say, go for it. So um, yeah. Have all of your siblings just totally taken this unique path? Yeah. My mom, our parents are just like, you have ruined our family. Yeah, you've infiltrated. <laughs> you have just dishonored us um no i say that jokingly but like she she like both my brothers were like well you know this is cool like i want to do this i want to help out with this and i was like sure why not and our parents were just like are you sure because this kid has a really good job that pays so much money and is super successful like our youngest brother got into like the most competitive like out of this world job on in finance in new york and, and uh, why is he working for you? So he <laughs> he has now dropped out of college. Oh my he was God. at Columbia. Oh my oh man. God. Okay. He has one That's semest- so expensive. He has oh one God. semester left. Oh my God. And uh, he's working with us. Stop <laughs> it. He dropped out at one semester? Yeah. Oh what boy. the? He's going to go back. I will make sure he goes back. Eric. Brian. Eric. Your ass is going back to college at some point. I am I am all <laughs> for dropping out of school. But when you're staring down yeah. just a few credits, yeah. three to four months of your time, yeah. just get it done. Yeah. Oh but my- it was it was a it's a timing thing. It's a timing yeah. thing. You know, with with the startup and all that stuff, there's thing you know, there's momentum, there's totally uh, I get a it. lot of things going on. But so he must go back. He will. 
I'm, I'm sure of it. Or do it like part time. Exactly. Extend the one semester. Or, is that? Yeah, it's Brian. Uh, no, that's no. not. That's a, that's another Brian. We have two Brians on our oh. team. Uh, so a lot of Brians. A lot of Brians. Hi, Brian. We only hire Brians. So uh, <laughs> if you're a Brian, don't apply unless your name is Brian. <laughs> my little my little brother's name is Brian. There you go. Have him apply. I will. Also, <laughs> also more successful than Dan. Oh, very smart. Yeah. Hey. Making a lot of money. He hey, pays hey. for all of his mom's Christmas gifts. Damn. Yeah, he's What's the, he doing? Being smart. Some some that smart people do. I don't understand what he does. <laughs> I you know, he showed up on my LinkedIn the other day. Is he is he like trading coins and stuff? Like I, I feel like that's what all the, the smart cool kids do these days. Dude, I know I know a few uh Bitcoin millionaires that it's, are also like freaking fetuses. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like wild. You shouldn't be able to walk yet, but you have a billion dollars <laughs> off trading invisible coins. What? And then I feel like an idiot yeah. thinking that instead of putting money into Bitcoin, you know, I don't know. I bought a pair of Ugg slippers <laughs> <laughs> or something hey, stupid. Necessary things. No. You're sexy. I am sexy. What me, me, me saying that sounded so unsexy. Oh, man. That is the name of one of your records Ooh, off your album? That is the name of the record off the album. You, I had a lot of feelings about how to rename that song, and then we just went with the original title. Oh, it's great. It's, uh, <laughs> why are you laughing? It's a funny title. <laughs> Sanchez. Honestly. That's the first one I listened to because of the title. That's, that's everybody. I put up, a, like, a thing on my socials, like, what are you most excited for? And everybody goes... I don't care about anything. It's your sexy. I'm sexy because everybody's intrigued. Like, what could the song be about? No, it's gonna stream well. I'm sure it'll stream great. I hope. It's a it's manifest. A, it's a sexy song. Do you consider yourself sexy? Oh, that was my question. Hell no. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Hell no. Really? No, I don't think of myself as sexy. What? I just. Oh, well, I guess no. I, don't. I think you're pretty sexy. Well, thank you, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I'm. What do you I think? Th- I'm cool. Like. I think I'm cool. I don't, I don't what do you know. consider yourself? Do you think you're good Honestly, looking? no. I honestly think of myself as so normal and so boring. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead serious. Okay. Like, I have a hard time when, like, I being a quote-unquote celebrity is sometimes really difficult for me because I feel like people who have this job have to be super sure of themselves about everything and, like, when it comes to even, like, what kind of music does he listen to? They'd be like, oh, I listen to, like, whatever's cool and, like, unheard of. And I'm just this super normal. Give me top 40 pop. I'm good. Like, what are you going to do? I'm going to stay at home, watch TV, and fall asleep, like, with a beer in my hand. Like, I'm just yeah, embrace so that. normal. That's great. I, I love it. But, like, I think for branding, imaging purposes, mm. people are like, you should be confident and sexy and whatever. Yo, I'm dead ass normal as hell. Like, and I'm cool with it. Like, and that's probably why a lot of my fans are, you know, they're cool with me. But so then, what is this side of you in this record? Then you're sexy. (laughs) I'm. I mean, you literally said I'm sexy. Are you lying to us? No. Okay. I think sexy can come in the forms of like so much more than just like, oh, damn, you're sexy. It could be like a. I think sexiness comes from the way you think and present yourself, and it's about like how you. Uh, kind of see the world in that perspective. Um, so I think in the song, definitely it's like more of like a physical, you're sexy, I'm sexy, like let's just be all about each other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But sexiness to me is about being confident in who you are and being comfortable and being okay with it. And when I say I'm normal as hell, like I'm completely cool with it. And if that makes me sexy, then I'm sexy, I guess. 
Yeah. <laughs> if you want somebody on your body, I'll be somebody to you. Isn't that great? It's a great line. <laughs> I didn't write it, so <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's this is song. This is like so. This entire album, I was involved on every song except for like maybe this one and another one called Wonder. Okay, mm-hmm. but this is a song that I heard like probably like two years ago. And I was like, there's something about it that's like the the vibe, the guitar, and like it just kind of makes you want to move. And uh, just saying you're sexy, I'm sexy at first feels hilarious. But the more you say it. You believe the, it. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to merch the hell out of it. Yeah. And just have to. You're going to become says, sexy before you're you know sexy, it. You're sexy, I'm sexy. So I'm good with it. Live that sexy lifestyle, bro. Let's all live that sexy. Let's all be sexy together. Um, you know? Yeah, I'm down for that. Like, I'll get there. That yeah. is a great March idea. It's gonna, it's uh, gonna be a hit. Where, 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 <laughs> where, how's it gonna be labeled? Like, I'm sexy, you're sexy. I'm thinking we should do a hat that says you're sexy, and on the hoodie it says I'm sexy. Ooh. Or flip it, flip it. I don't know. I've got, I got to work on that one. I like that. Yeah, do you have a tour coming up? I do have a tour coming. up. I'm on tour starting in January through March, so, so I have like a lot after this album. Yeah, so I. uh I do Southeast Asia in January. I think I have seven cities there. And then February 1st, I start in San Diego. And I do close to 30 cities in North and Latin America. And I end in L.A. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a thick tour. It's a lot of shows. Thick with two C's. Can you tell me about this line in No Shame? Wish I could hurt you the way you hurt me. Yeah. Who Uh, hurt hurt you? (laughs) That song, I mean, everybody's been hurt, right? It's, it's, that song is, so it's a funny story about this song, is this song originally, we got it, and then we put it into Korean. So the, the Korean version's already out. It was out last April. It's called Honestly. And this is the original demo off of it. And so, um, I, I got the song, and then we, I added a bunch of stuff to it, but first of all, I love, I love the, the melody of it it's just a very catchy addictive melody to me and then when it comes to like the lyrical content i just love that it was you know i wish i had no shame and i could do whatever the hell i want and i could hurt you and i could be mean to you but knowing that i do have shame so i can't do that so it's this conflicted feeling all throughout the song of like i really want to be horrible but i won't because i'm like a decent human being and i still really like you kind of thing and um but yeah, there have definitely been hurt feelings here and there. I mean, that's just life, right? You've do you do you write that record immediately after a breakup? Do you wait a little bit? I that one. Uh, when did I get? When did we get that out? Uh, it was a little bit after a breakup, and um, I think that may be why I was so like attached to it when I first heard it. Like I heard it and I was like, "This is a single, and this is what we have to go with." And um, it just so happened that. The lyrical content also just really fit with it very well. How how different are the Korean lyrics from the English, the English version? Um, it really depends song by song. Like, there's one song that I have that in Korean is called "Miss You," and it's like this horribly, "I'm so sad without you." I'm like miserable kind of song, but the original lyrics were "I don't miss you." In English, and we put out an English version, and it was like, I'm completely fine without you. Like, you go your way, I'll go mine. Like, let's just completely be detached. And um, so every song is very different in terms of like 
the languages and the lyrical content. Does it change your attachment to it or the story from your life that you put to the songs? No, I think, um, you know, I think as a musician or as an artist, like your your purpose is to convey stories and messages and um, to whoever's listening, you know. Um, but I think it's, oh gosh, I'm having a brain fart. Give me a second. You take your time. You asked about my attachment to it. Okay, yes. that was it. <laughs> I do this a lot. <laughs> but no, it doesn't change the attachment or anything to it. I think, like, music is so fluid, even between, like, languages and, like, you know, people can listen to a song, not know what, like, people don't know what Despacito still means, but yeah. everybody loves that song, right? I have no idea. Right? It means, like, slowly. Go slowly, like slower, slower. But most people have no idea. Um, so it's when you ask a question of like, does it mean, what does it mean to you? It's like, yeah, it means stuff to me. It could still literally mean nothing to anybody else. But so for me, it's like I assign that meaning and I assign that relevance and I assign value to each song and each version that I put out. And I think whenever I perform it live, be it whatever language it is in, that's when I get another feeling of, all right, this is why and this is how and this is where I was coming from. Got it. The album's great. Thank you. And the titling is pretty good too. Sounds very personal. It All is. Of the titles. Thank you. Um, I mean, even the title of the album itself. You know, before we begin, I I slept on that one for a while, and we had a lot of debates about it. But for me, I felt like it was the most apt and most uh, meaningful for this period of time in my life. What does it mean to you? To me, it means. Um, I think of this entire album as like an experiment and a project on its own um, because I don't think I, I've never done it where I'm putting out a full English project and I'm trying to position myself as like an American pop singer songwriter and it could work and it could also fail miserably. And I think even in terms of the musical genres and the storytelling, like people may be able to really latch onto it and give it a life of its own and it could completely fail. But the difficulty that I've had is that I'm working out of Korea with the Korean label with all the, the, how do you want to say, the red tape that's associated with working in Korea with a Korean label, yeah. trying to do stuff the American way. Dude, it's hard. It's so, like, mind-blowingly difficult and frustrating at times. And just to to try to get this project out in itself was, like, a huge feat. And so I didn't want this project to be out and be completely fully representative of everything that I could do, you know? Because I imagine without the red tape and without the, all the hindrances and being able to be here with, like, full support from an American system, I want to be able to think and imagine that mm -hmm. I could do even more than I am. This is the appetizer. Yeah. So musically and just business-wise and structurally, like, I want to think of it as, like, this is an appetizer to the full Eric Nam thing that you'll probably get I don't know, maybe next year or so. Do you feel like there's somebody else, like another Asian person out there, another Asian artist who is succeeding in this field? Is there somebody that you're looking at or somebody who you feel is like running alongside of you? Uh-huh. Um, I think there's, you know, on the hip-hop R&B side, definitely Joji, yeah. Rich Brian, like 88 Rising. They've done an incredible job at, at building uh, a community of people who love and appreciate that type of music. Um, and 
so I guess all the artists that are under there. I think when it comes to pop, I don't know. Oh, Tiffany Young. Oh, Tiffany. Tiffany Young. Tiffany Young's doing it. Um, Amber is doing it. I don't know if you guys know Amber Lou, but they're both from... Uh, they were both signed under SM Entertainment, which is one of the the biggest Huge. labels in Korea. So I'd say the two of them are probably a little bit more on the pop side. When it comes to male solo, I don't think there is anybody that I can think of. Please forgive me. Please don't attack me. I have respect for everybody. I just have a horrible memory. Do you feel like younger you would feel like do you feel like younger you today would feel represented in music? Or is that day still on its way? I think it's still on its way. I mean, who still, like, who is it? Somebody was like, I was in a I was in a conversation that and they're like, I was like, who what Asian person have you seen like on mainstream in music? And somebody said, like, I think they said like Smashing Pumpkins. I was like, there's an Asian guy in Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> but by the way, we're talking Smashing Pumpkins from like yeah. When we were in like middle school, like it's been a minute. Come on, guys, um, that's not like a, um, <laughs> no. Is there no an disrespect. Asian member of Smashing Pumpkins? I'm looking right. It was now. something like that, and I was like, "What? <laughs> like you're really gonna pull that out to say that we're represented? Like I don't know." <laughs> um, so I don't think I don't think it's there yet. And so I'm hoping that by myself, by Tiffany, by Joji or Jackson and Amber, like these people trying to do things, um, that. <sighs> Is there? No, but there's one in Lincoln Park. Oh, there Mike is Shinoda. one in Lincoln Park. Yes, Joe. Like, yeah, well, Mike Shinoda, maybe, but oh, no, there yeah, is yeah, there yeah. Joe. Maybe that's his Joe name, and yeah, Mike. Yeah. yeah, is Mike Shinoda Asian? I don't yeah, know. I think he's Japanese American. I think. Give it a Google. He's been on our couch. We love him. Ooh, I'm pretty sure he is. Oh god, he that was sat stressful. In that exact seat. Yes, I'm sitting on this. This is. If you guys sold this couch, you would make a lot of money. I'm sure. <sighs> Thank you, you so some much. crazy people sitting on this couch. Well, we're mostly going to probably sell the cat pillow. This? Yeah, pose with it so we can add you to our 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 wall of, like, so when I die, <laughs> all of this will be auctioned <laughs> off and it will fund our kids going to college. Oh, amazing. So know that, like, knock on wood, 50, 60 years from now, there'll be an auction somewhere close to here probably. <laughs> And there'll be a photo of you with that, but it'll be with you and all these other celebrities. I'm all about be, it. And there'll be like hundred thousand dollars. Let me cat. just go ahead and get the audiogram done. If you guys want to support Zach Saint's <laughs> Children's College Fund, <laughs> go ahead and buy this cat. Come on, keep bidding for the cat. The cat with its beautiful blue eyes. What type of cat is it? Oh. Mm, a little. I don't know. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it has some beautiful blue eyes. It's very fluffy. It That's feels it. nice. Um, My dog's only chewed it a couple times. <laughs> Guys, I, I do have a quick update. Go for Mike it. Mike Shinoda is a third-generation Japanese-American. Oh, see, there you go. Um, by the way, like, still not enough representation. Right. I mean, okay, by the way, yeah, let's be very clear. Just because we have Mike Shinoda <laughs> and a few people does not make it. Like, I want a damn frontman, yeah. right? Singing every single word, right? And, like, just getting people crazy. Like, not that Mike Shinoda didn't, but... <laughs> he did his thing. Right, like, but I want the frontman to be there. I want... Like, I want an Asian Post Malone. I want an Asian Drake. I want an Asian Bruno. Like, well, Bruno Mars is part Asian. Oh, that's cool. Not a lot of people know that, but I think he's, like, part Filipino. People are really more into the fact that he was Hawaiian. I feel like right. that's, like, really stole the show, but maybe we can change this but narrative. Like, but again, we need some more Asians. <laughs> so Let's rebrand Bruno Mars. <laughs> 
I do have a few quick things <laughs> yeah. I want to ask. Go for it. Uh, do you feel like oh. your Korean fans mm-hmm. feel like like you're turning your back on them, putting out a full uh, English album? I you know what I I had moments where I worried about that, but at the same time, um, I feel like if they are my fan fans, like they know and they're like super supportive about this. Like I've been very vocal about this from day one, from day zero. I've been very vocal. I've been like, my dream is to make it in the States. My dream is to put out a full English EP um, and to put on for our people. And I also think I did a good job of introducing enough collaborations and pop songs in the past so that when they when this comes out, they're not like, what? You know English? But, <laughs> like, but that's also the story that they're kind of... A- attached to right yeah, i mean they i mean it's no secret that i'm american yeah you know and so they know that my korean isn't perfect they know i've had a hard time in korea and so for them it's probably i think all the stuff i've seen they're like yes you live your best life do whatever you want we're behind you no matter what and so this is a, a full english album but they're already pre-ordering and they've already bought all the stuff like they it's amazing you know i have literally the best fans and so i'm so thankful for it yeah. How often are you going back to Seoul? I'm there all the time. I was uh, the only reason I'm here in LA and New York is pretty much purely to do press for this album. And so since August, I've been here in the States twice every month. Wow. Yeah. So are you shoot like what are you doing in Seoul if it's not making music? Is it hosting um, the show? I'm doing I'm doing shows. I'm doing f- like festivals. Uh, cool. Still have a lot of shoots like it, editorials or endorsements, and then. Um, a lot of podcasting I'm doing. Got it. Um, so you're doing that based in Seoul? Yeah. Is a it a Korean of, podcast? So all my stuff is in English. Um, what I realize is there's not a lot of content in English for people who love K-pop. And there are a lot of K-pop fans in the world. Oh, yeah. So to be able to deliver content that's relevant and relatable for people in English, I think people really love and they find attachment to. So... Um, I kind of tested it out as like a like a test bunny. It was like a big guinea pig. Um, it's called the K-Pop Taebak Show with Eric Nam, and we put it out, but it hit number one in 18 countries. Um, on the podcast app? Yeah, like on, on the music side, yeah. Okay. And then we were like in the top 10 for like a bunch of stuff Holy sh- um, on Apple, on Spotify. And then we have another show that's coming that's not K-Pop driven. It's more me just talking to people that I like. So Alec is mm-hmm. on it. Gallant. Cool. Um, Jeremy Zucker. Uh, Jenny Han, who wrote To All the Boys that we, I Loved Before, the Netflix movie. Yeah. Um, so, like, just people that I find fascinating and interesting and providing, like, a little more context from maybe an Asian-American perspective. Um, and it's cool because a lot of it, these people are coming to Korea for their shows and to experience Korea for the first time. So to be able to kind of guide them through it and have their first, like, fish-out-of-water experience but do it in form of a podcast, I think, has been fun, and people who are on it really enjoy it as well. So Come through. Did you ask Jeremy Zucker permission before you were inspired by that song title? Oh, no, I didn't. Because he has come through. You have come through. I do have come through. It's spelled differently, though. It Mm -hmm. is. But he knows I'm a big fan. Like, I sat down for the interview, and I was like, by the way... I'm just a huge fan. And he was like, oh, cool. He's like the nicest. He's chill as f-. Super chill dude. Um, but I don't think he minds. I also covered his song on YouTube. I've been just covering a lot of songs on YouTube lately. Just for fun. So I just did his. I did Billie Eilish, Bad Guy. Yeah, that was good. 
Thank you. We have uh, Senorita coming out this week. Ooh. Um, Are these like acoustic strip back covers? Do you like, still produce them? They're produced, but they're live band. Oh, like, sick. So we've sessioned everything. Um, so it's quite the process. It's a lot of investment for like a three-minute YouTube video. <laughs> but I think... It lives forever. It lives forever. First impressions count, guys. Yeah, and it, it's Dan approved. Thank uh. you, Dan. Dan's just... Wait. Now I'm, like, getting skeptical. Do you just easily stamp of approve everything? No. no. I know we have. Are you sure? No, I don't. Okay. But, like, a lot of times when there's people sitting in front of us, Zach's like, Dan, you like it? I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the answer is usually no. <laughs> Dan, very much connected to your statement on talking to people that you don't like. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. I mean, yeah. it's not. I like them as, like, they're nice people. Oh, yeah. But just, like, they're not always very fascinating. No, they're not always everybody has the potential to be fascinating potential. and everybody okay, everybody has a story <laughs> and that story for the most part is fascinating if you get but there. But he just agreed like he said it before I did. Like <laughs> okay, and I'm telling the both of you. Everybody look, has look, everybody's every, fascinating. I'll put it this way. Everybody has potential to be fascinating. Not everybody lives up to that potential. There you go. Yeah, but it's your job as the person doing it the is. interview to it bring is. it out. It no, I shouldn't no. have to teach you this. It is. I, I'm, I try my best. I try my hardest. I have moments of affirmation that I, I like Will Smith. I, I love that man, dude. So after that interview, he goes, that was an incredible interview. I had so much fun. Thank you. And like shook my hand, was like, that was incredible and he walked out and i was like i'm gonna retire now like there's no more that i need to do so are you a musician or are you a host i'm a musician i'm a musician that happens to host i think this is a i literally this is the other discussion i had today it was you do too much it was like why do you why are you doing like all of this how do we view you i was like you don't it's not mutually exclusive right none of it like I don't think I have to live in just the entertainment TV side of things and also do mu- and not be able to do music. Look at Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. There you go. Talk show host and a musician. There you go. Will Smith. Will Smith. I mean, now he's like an actor, actor, but he was he's debuted as a rapper, right? Yeah. A musician, got into TV, kept it up, started then kind of just became father of Jaden, his his greatest success in recent years, birthing Jaden and Willow Smith. But I don't know. I I am a firm believer that I don't have to subscribe to one silo or one genre or one industry. I understand that. I get it. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I'm like trying to think of my own opinions, and I have many. Well, he he's very talented, and he can do a lot. So (laughs) not us. Not we're we're stuck here. What are you trying to say? You could if you wanted. <laughs> no, but like I'm, I'm kind of in this. She's shaking her head like no. I'm I'm really in this phase where I just want to be the best at this mm-hmm. that exists. Right. I want to be better than anybody else doing it. And I'm. What the heck was that laugh? Jesus, <laughs> get out of my studio. <laughs> Get out of here. That was a burp. It wasn't a laugh. No, 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 no. You're either rowing with me or against me, sister. <laughs> Door's right there. Um, no, but the point I'm trying to make is, like, I, I really do want to just be the best at this. Yeah. So I find it, it would, it's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around living a life where I have to split my time 50-50 or, you know, divvy it up amongst anything that's not radio and interviewing people. Right. I have So I have two folds to that. First of all, I think 
just from a very like a financial perspective in Korea, right? So all this stems from Korea, right? In order for me, I didn't go into it earlier when you said like TV money is good and great. TV money is horrible. Yeah, it's not good. You're losing money going on TV. Like you're not making anything. And so for me, it's like how do I survive? How do I make money? I didn't make money for three, four years of my career. I'm just literally doing odd jobs as I'm doing TV constantly in, to just get by. In a country you don't fully yes. know and it's wild. It's crazy. So I'm doing that. And so when the interview stuff started working and then they're like, now we're going to pay you to do these. I was like, great. Yeah, it's real like, money. That's awesome. Um, but then I'm also, of I my personality is, if there are things that I'm like bad at, just drop it. Like, I'm not even going to invest time in, like, people are like, do you want to, I don't know, whatever. Do you want to be an astronaut? I'm like, okay, I'll try it for a day. I suck. I'm going to quit it immediately so I can focus on things that I'm actually good at. But at the same time, like, so I for me, it's like music and interviewing, hosting, emceeing, like, they come easy to me now. They both were very difficult to me at the same, like, at the beginning. But because they coexisted together, I developed my skills in both, like, simultaneously and I think I'm also of the thing of like, I actually don't need to be the best. I think there's stress involved when it's like, I need to be the best. Like, it's a point of like, it's great if you can be the best. And if it comes to you that way, amazing. Very gold medalist. Amazing. But I'm okay with being second. Because for me, psychologically, it takes off an entire level of burden and stress that I find is unnecessary and can almost be like paralyzing for some people. And so for me, it's a way of justifying being like, you can come to my show. You can go to someone else's show. If you like it, cool. If you don't, I don't care. That's kind of how I've had to like go about building my career. Do you feel you were meant, like what is your passion at the end of the day? Like what motivates the want to keep moving and to have these long packed days? Um, I think, gosh, good question. What motivates me? Um... I think it's very complex in terms of my motivation. I think one is I've always had this this notion of feeling other and feeling not accepted and not being successful in terms of very uh, mainstream indicators of success, right? So it's like, even in Korea, they're like, oh, you're not, like, the best musician or you're not the best whatever. And for me, like, I tell myself, I'm cool with not being number one, but I'm going to try as hard as I can to be the best that I personally can be. Not to be best in your eyes or number one in the charts or number one by everybody's standards, but as long as I'm happy and I walk away happy, then I'm good. But to get to that point for me takes a lot of hard work. And a lot of sacrifice for me to feel comfortable saying I literally did everything I could to get to this point. To For me to be, I think I'm literally the most expansively touring Korean artist there is. Like I, I've done, next year, by the end of the year, I'll probably have done 50, 60 cities. Mm. Like as a solo artist, that's really, really hard coming out of Korea. Um, and so I think it's that kind of thing of like, People may not have said like, oh, this dude's a very successful musician or whatever. But for me, in all capacities, in all metrics, for me personally, I'm successful because I literally went as hard as I could to make it happen. 
And then on the other side, it's more of like when I first started my career, it was I'm going to be as hardworking, diligent and big as I can possibly possibly be so I can make as much social impact as possible. And that goes back to the notion of pushing forward like this movement and culture of Asians and Asian Americans and mainstream media, but also a larger thing of being able to do good, like philanthropic good and social impact. Um, Because I think that's something that's oftentimes not always at the forefront of entertainers or celebrities' minds. It's more of like a good look. I'll be like, oh yeah, I did this with UNICEF and I held a baby. I'm like, great, but like let's be consistent about that. And for me, like that's something that I've tried to be very, very upfront and vocal about throughout my career. And I think that definitely makes, I'd like to think, impact beyond myself, but globally, but with my fans and that kind of stuff. Hell yeah. Sorry, that was a very long answer. That's a very good answer. Sheesh! Dan approved. Oh, Jesus. You said that one more time. I'm going to disapprove you. <laughs> oh, I'm I have, scared. I do have one more question. Yeah, go for it. What does your dog speak Chinese mean? Uh, oh. <laughs> I see that everywhere. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, Amber, who I was speaking about earlier, she started YouTube, I don't know, probably five, six years ago. She started, like, doing the channel. And she's like, hey, do you mind being part of this challenge? And I was like, yeah, whatever. We go to her house, and it was eat a watermelon without using your hands. And it was, like, a full watermelon, and you get nothing. So we were, like, elbowing it, dropping it off, like, holding it with our elbows and dropping it onto the ground, like, doing all sorts of stuff to eat it. So is it, like, a—is it a skinned watermelon? No, it's just a full watermelon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So— Yeah. So you essentially have to break the watermelon to pieces. Yeah, and then just eat it like you're— a pig in like a barn okay it was great so cool. we were like in groups of like three or something like that we're eating it and it was in her apartment she has this dog that comes over and like it's trying to eat watermelon and she goes jack jack hey jack which means go home in mandarin and i was like your dog speaks chinese <laughs> like <laughs> i was just so i was like your dog understands chinese like, that was like for me at that moment such a mind-blowing thing that she would be like go home jack jack and mandarin so people i don't know i became a meme yeah you definitely did i definitely did so so her dog does speak chinese it does that's cool it's cool right it's crazy like if you think about it dogs in korea speak korean and Dogs in America speak English? Yeah. They speak American English. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I just got a flashback when I was in eighth grade. I took a social studies test. Yeah. And one of the questions was, what language do they speak in Canada? And my answer was Canadian. <laughs> they mm. speak Mexican in Mexico now. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean dogs no. in Australia speak with an Australian accent? No, yeah, mate. Probably. <laughs> no. They just understand the sounds. <laughs> Wow. No, also, I was funny. just reading an article of this dog that learned how to speak by pressing buttons. So he figured out what the different, like, each button correlated to a word, oh. right? And he would utilize by those buttons to speak. I mean, that's cool, but, like, who's doing that with a dog? I know. Like, somebody with a lot of time. Yeah, I'm going to teach my dog to speak through buttons. I, I mean, I, if you want. like, I had a friend who taught their cat to flush the toilet and use the toilet. That's that, brilliant yeah that's handy i'll take time for that not having to do cat litter stuff genius that's right touch that touch that cat brilliant. again mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry brilliant i was gonna say something different and i made myself laugh <laughs> um 
hope you connect the dots. <laughs> Eric Nam, thanks for hanging out, man. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. That it was mean, fun. It means a lot. Uh, absolutely. But, likewise. By the way, the album out November 14th, yeah. eight songs on there. Final thought. Go ahead. Dan approved. Yes! <laughs> That's his final thought. Dan approved. <laughs> Thank you. Love, man. Thanks for hanging. Thank you, guys. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.